0: Okay, we're in Acts 18 today um, and we're going to have an opportunity, we're going to to continue to read through part of God's Word where we've been up to, been looking at this unravelling story of the mission of God and the calling of God and people getting caught up in these plans and purposes and I want to begin this morning a little bit. Now I'm going to sort of jump around the houses a bit but then we're going to go into Acts 18 and what I want us just to kind of capture and see as an overview of this is that God just loves to involve people in his story. If there's one take home, if there's one thing you hear, if you just want to have a little sleep now, then God loves using people as part of his story. It's kind of always been part of his plan, that he wants to work in and through humanity. And so um, actually... I I would call this Jesus people. It's just what it is to be a a Jesus person. And um, so during the morning, I'm going to call out some names. I'm going to say some things. I want to start, and Richard's probably already doing it, but I just felt like our voices were really beautiful in worship this morning to hear them. And I think a lot of that was just led because of the way that Gideon and Sarah just sang beautifully in in harmony with each other. (laughs) And I, it was just a beautiful thing to hear your voices. But to hear the voices of the church is a beautiful thing. And again, it's why we sing a lot when we gather in this setting is because singing is a great way of recognising, I bring something into this. My voice is important. I'm included in what's going on now. Let, let's see how this goes. Anyone sit next to someone that's maybe not the greatest singer in the world? <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't say put your hand up, Gail. I didn't say identify it I just asked the question it was it was rhetorical <laughs> wow Malcolm actually I, I'm presuming it was you Malcolm it's not someone else around you not poor Dave Mitchell behind <laughs> but but it's an interesting one is it because in some ways you might think oh, I'm not a great singer I'm not a great singer I can't be. but there's something beautiful in which we bring our voices into and again I'm I try a Clive Chernick word the concophony is that all right does that fit Is that all right? Cacophony, all right. (laughs) Fine. Cacophony. What does that even mean? I don't know, but I know I'd use it in that context. Clive, what does it mean? It means a joyful noise. Oh, okay. Well, that's all right. Then that'll do. So cacophony, cacophony, but it's just that thing of a joyful noise of people bringing them and collectively singing and engaging with each other and and participating in what's going on. And why is this important? And it's actually why we do. We want to give lots and lots of time for singing in our meetings and me and rich are planning something for new year's day actually where we're going to going to try and write a song as church together on new year's day because i think the people of god have always sung it's part of their response of how they come to him they enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving they sing they rejoice and so um that singing dynamic for what goes on is is significant and important and i know you may feel shy or reserved or you might think oh i don't want to sing it's part of it but my hope would be that just god unlocks your heart and you realize man what a joy it is to be able to sing, well, badly, however it would be, but to bring my praise and worship and adoration to God. So God just loves it, including in the Jesus people and um, I want to mention another person as well it's Dan Preston's that he is Dan look I'm wearing this for you this morning and it, you kind of knew it would it would be right up my alley anyway in terms of a very Larry football shirt but I just want to call out Dan really quickly because again just part of being the Jesus people and so Dan Dan's got a role in a job as part of um he does some work for I don't even know if I can take this off because I've got the thing on but this is very Larry I'm very very aware how Larry it is Wendy does not like it um <laughs> oh no I Don't know where that goes. Anyway, that'll work. Um, Dan works um, a little bit for some charities involved, which are Tear Fund and Compassion and International Justice Mission. And so Dan has a bit of a role with marketing, and he's a really gifted, talented. Loves Jesus, follows Jesus, but massively talented what he does. And so he works for these charities. And with the World Cup coming up, it's been a bit. And it's okay to call it out loud, but it's been awkward. And then if you felt that a little bit in conversations with people like, should I be watching the World Cup? Should I not be watching the World Cup? there's massive exploitation issues that have gone on around it actually one of the worst things i think you can do is privately watch the world cup that's the worst way of dealing with it because actually in that way you're basically going i'm embarrassed and i want people to realize i'm watching this tournament but i do kind of quietly want to watch it and so down with a few friends just came up with this thing they've called it justice united and they've just said actually let's spotlight on some of the challenges of exploitation and modern slavery around the world today let's profile these charities and let's actually give churches Opportunities to watch games but then also talk about the things that are going on and raise money for the charities that are involved. So, Dan just put this stuff together, and we're going to be next weekend on Sunday afternoon just watching the first game of the World Cup. It's a rubbish game, it's like Qatar versus I'm really sorry if you're from Qatar, but it's like Qatar versus I can't remember Ecuador. And I'm sorry again if you're Ecuadorian, um, but it's like one of those ones you're like, oh, okay, but but we just want to use an opportunity to talk about those things that are going on and so we're going to, we're going to show some of the games that happen there we're going to try and raise some money for some of the charities that are involved as well but part of it, I just wanted to mention Dan and again the reason, the reason I say this, and I'm just going to read the beginning of our mission statement of this is what we say as a church, and I haven't got it behind me, so I'm going to test you a little bit. If you've been here for longer than six months, most Sunday mornings you hear this in the background being said, but I think this is what this lives it out and what we hope our church is like. So if I were to say this, King's Church exists to, what word's missing now? King's Church exists to... not love clearly clearly it's not I'm bending quite hard enough King's church is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus in action and in words to build a community of worshippers or believers you could have worshippers today and for future generations if I were to say that what's even the point of King's church what's the point of us being here we exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus we tell people about who he is because we're his people and we proclaim who he is in our actions and in our words and so I get to do a lot of words from here <laughs> but I promise you that's not the only way that we proclaim the gospel of Jesus in a few words that we say from the front or the things that we sing it's in our actions it's in the things that we do and so again just as first one that I will mention I'll mention some others as well but that's the way we live it out because we want to see daily lives. So it finishes with, through our daily lives, shaped by Jesus, we will bring life to everyone, creating kingdom culture in Eastbourne and beyond. Did you see, I didn't bother asking if you knew those words because I failed on the first bit, so I thought I'd just read them out instead. (laughs) Through our daily lives, It's not through a one off Sunday experience. It's not just through every now and then doing something kind to someone. It's through the daily devotions and routines and habits and rhythms of saying, My daily life is shaped by Jesus. Every day shaped by Him. And what am I going to do? I'm going to bring life. In a world of death and suffering and sadness and sickness and war and destruction, I bring life because I have the words of life and I know the king of life and I, want to, I know the one who overcame the grave and I'm a Jesus person. We're Jesus people. So we bring life to everyone. Everyone we meet. We encu- we, and again, that's Steve encouragement. Come on. The, the time is too short. The need is too necessary. We've got to go now. I've got to tell people in a dying world, in a world that is only heading in one direction, we are the light of the world. We're the Jesus people. We bring life to everyone that we meet. We proclaim the good news of Jesus, not just because we say stuff, but because we do things as well. Now, if all I do is do stuff, then I may be very, very truthful, but my life could be pretty ugly because <laughs> I could just live however I wanted. And some people live beautiful lives, but they're really scared to ever say anything at all. There is a beautiful tension between speaking and doing, <laughs> between the ability to say, I'm gonna show you that I love you and I'm gonna tell you that I love you. It's that, uh, just a little brainworm that came in there. My wife, if she was sitting here now, she'd remind me, Ollie, I know you love me by the way that you act. You just don't always tell me you love me. <laughs> That's what Wend would say to me a lot. Because I'm terrible at sometimes telling her that I love her. And you might have that same dynamic. You might be brilliant at showing people the love of Jesus, but you just might think, I know I need to tell people about Jesus a bit more. And you might be brilliant at telling people about Jesus, but you forget, hang on a minute, I've got to live this as well. I've got to live what it is to be a Jesus person who brings life to everyone, creating, and again, this is a bit of a subtle phrase, but creating kingdom culture. What does the kingdom look like? It's not just church culture, kingdom culture. What does the kingdom look like amongst us? What does it really look like to be a follower of What does kindness and forgiveness really look like in our broader society? I believe that if the kingdom cultures were being expressed in leadership, in schools, in our hospitals, in our neighbourhoods, it would affect the town that we live in. And there's a lot of you in this room. So as we go, as the Jesus people, taking kingdom culture for our words and our actions, we can transform Eastbourne and beyond. So why we exist... These are things we we're reminded, and so it's a little subtle cue, but it's just reminding constantly. Come on, Lords, I live my life for you daily in all that I do, and I think that Acts 18 is a brilliant example of seeing this. The second one I just want to mention before I re- I'll go into Acts. And sorry, I know I'm jumping around the houses a little bit. I just want to mention a few um, events that I've been at over the course of the last five or six weeks. And I want to do it in two ways because I want to kind of say, I've had some opportunities just to be in and out of Eastbourne and visiting conferences and things that are going on and traveling with some friends from here. But I also want to say a little bit sorry in doing it because I just don't think I've been very present for the last five to six weeks. I say it to my team, say it to the church a little bit. It's a real interesting balance. And even this like underpins some of the bits of Acts 18 that's on there. I realise that sometimes you can get busy, you can, you can be so busy for people that you're out doing stuff that's going on, and there's a real tension and dynamic because we want to be people that are, say yes and go to what God calls us to, but sometimes it means we can neglect the daily things that we're called to as well. There's a beautiful dynamic when you read 18s, you realise, yeah, there's a big calling that we go towards, but there's also there's just the daily life that we stay committed into the people around us. We love them. We show them because we're present in the things that we do. And so like, I've even felt conflicted as I was reading this because I was like, I've so enjoyed being involved in stuff out there, but sometimes i felt like I even look at Elizabeth now. So I feel, I feel embarrassed sometimes and think, I haven't got enough time for Elizabeth, and I'd love to have more time to be able to stand with her while she's walking through some grief of losing Ken a few months back. And as a pastor, then you walk in this dynamic, you think, I want to be present for people and I want to be doing things that are going on. And then the real dynamic, this is where the real head trip comes in, that then you start to think it's all about you. Because then you start to believe, I need to be present because I'm important. And what Elizabeth really needs is me. She doesn't really need me, she needs Jesus. And actually a beautiful thing in a church is that we all need one another. There's no one person that's needed more than anyone else. There's no dynamic in which one person is able to try and solve everyone else's things. Again, the beauty of this passage, this little bit, is you'll notice that the Jesus people serve, love, stand alongside each other. They stand up, they take responsibility in circumstances, situations. And it's not about one celebrity. There's only one hero of the whole story. This is an easier answer for you to get. Who's that one? Jesus there's only one real hero there's only one really necessary part all the others are just fulfilling roles for seasons and life and moments they're called to but the thing revolves around the central character of it all which is Jesus Christ our great hope our great good shepherds our great ambassador the one that we love and the one that we worship so yeah so look I, these are a few things that have just been going on recently the new ground conference that we went on and the new ground weekend was a blessing to be part of a wider family of churches I love it and I just love there were people you know Amanda Mount couldn't be there, but like seeing Nick and Sarah coming up and Jackie Perry coming up and being part of it and seeing leaders from within this church just gathering with our wider family, worshiping from people from Brazil and worshiping with people from Ukraine that are part of our family churches and from France and from Holland to see the call of God collectively together. And it is a beautiful thing got to be part of some prayer days that have gone on recently again we want to be men and women of prayer not just of not just of action and doing things but coming before God and saying God you got to do this you've got to change and transform circumstances and situations that are going on the joy of a couple of months ago just getting to Berlin with friends that are here again going out with Jürgen and Mona and Caleb and Nikki and being in the city and seeing God at work in that place and encouraging others that are there as well um this weekend I just been at the Jubilee Plus conference with, you know, having Luce and Sophie serving on kids next door, but to be in a room with friends and with Rach and just what a gifted woman Rach is and listening to her and her speak and lead in that setting and her role in the Jubilee Plus team which is like this wider context of how New Frontiers family of churches just addresses the issues of poverty within our country and stands up for the voiceless and the role that she plays is incredible and so to be at an event like that and to listen to people speaking is a joy to be amongst and so it's in Milton Keynes yesterday being part of that and then being able to take up like Emmanuel and Boson and we went up to Peterborough while ago. And we're around with leaders that are up there and listening to, to leaders from across the world that are gathering with each other. And it's such a joy to see God at work and doing things. And then I have that bit as well. And I'm like, I love the big, but I also love the small. I love what God's doing out there, but I want to love daily what God's doing here. I don't want to neglect what's in front of my eyes because I get caught up with what's there. But that's all right, because we can live in that tension. And actually, as we exist as a community of another we should be stirring each other to say it's not just about this because it's too small a thing to only believe that the gospel will change my neighbor's life or my life but it's also too much sometimes to think oh God's only doing things out there and forget that my daily life shaping shapes by Jesus loving people daily serving them speaking the gospel proclaiming it in the way that I act makes a huge difference as well Jesus, people live in that tension, being called to the big and being caught up in the purposes of God and daily living it out in the small things that they do and the small acts of kindness. But one of the reasons I love this church is because it's full of examples like it. And I that, do you know the pressure that removes off you as a leader as well? Because it says, it ain't about you. Take that burden off. Jesus affects people and people live their lives for him and we spur each other on and encourage each other in the things that we do. So let me read a little bit to you from Acts 18 and you're going to start to see this story unfold. While we do it, I want you to stand up every time that I read out a name of someone that appears in there. Okay? So could you do that for me? So every time I read this through, now it might be some little bits where you'll end up doing this, that's fine. But we're going to notice how many names come out in this part of Acts 18. So, after this, Have we got, yeah, there we are. After this, he, now he is not a name, so you don't jump on he. After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently, you can sit again, yeah? You can stand and sit, that's fine. Just a little bounce, that's good. Okay, a native of Pontus. Pontus is a place, not a name, not a person. um, Who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because, it's down, because Claudius... Had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. Now, when Silas. And Timothy arrived and Greeks, uh, uh, sorry, and arrived from Macedonia. Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When they resisted, what's going on? Oh, did I miss? Okay, gee, sorry, 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 sorry. Forget. Okay. Uh, <laughs> When they resisted, I'm sorry, I'm looking down. Um, when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and told them, your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. That's Paul. So he left there and went to the house of a man called Titius Justus. Now, my son would have laughed at that name. Um a worshipper of God whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptised. And the Lord said, don't worry about Paul again, it's the same <laughs> character. But the Lord said to Paul in a night vision, don't be afraid but keep on speaking and don't be silent for I am with you and no one will lay a hands on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. City. He stayed there a year and a half. He taught the word of God among them. And when Gallio was pro of Acacia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the tribunal. This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. As Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or of serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you Jews. But if these are questions about words, names, and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be judge of such things. So he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sos, I can't say this one properly, Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But none of these things mattered to Gallio. There you go, another one. Wait, well, no, he was mentioned before, but anyway. After staying for some time, Paul said farewell to the brothers and sisters and sailed away to Syria accompanied by the Priscilla and Aquila that we heard earlier. He shaved his head at Chentria because of a vow that he had taken and when they reached Ephesus he left there but he he entered the synagogue and debated with the Jews and when they asked him to stay for a longer time he declined but he said farewell and added I'll come back to you again if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus On landing at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem, he greeted the church, and then he went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he sent out, out, traveling through one place after another to the regions of Galatia, Phrygia, strengthening all of the disciples. Now, a man named Apollos, new character, sorry, you've got to stand again, a native Alexandria, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of the scriptures. I'd like to be known as an eloquent man, but there you go. Um, in Ephesus, when he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus. You've already suffered for Jesus. Although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue after Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Acacia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah and that is the word of God. Okay, that's a big passage, a lot going on, a lot happening there. And I read it and I was a little bit like, I don't know what to share. Genuinely, I read it. And then it just, I just thought, I was just like, this is just full of Jesus people. How many times, now I don't know how many times you stood up, but how many names did we come up with during there? 42. 42, yeah. <laughs> so that felt like it, didn't it? <laughs> you know, if anyone needs to soil it, you probably, you know, really, <laughs> really triggered that standing up and down so many times. But um I can't, when I was reading it, I think there's 11 names that appear in this little bit. And I just found it interesting because this is a little Phil Moore again who who writes little commentaries on the book of Acts. He just says sometimes this book gets called the Acts of the Apostles, and immediately what we do is we think that the book's just all about the apostles. We just think it's only about these 12 men. That is probably the worst name for a book if we come across with it like that. It's the Acts of the Believers. It's acts of the Jesus people. It's not just the apostles and what they did. Yeah, they're big characters and Paul keeps popping up and he plays a significant role in what he does. Of course, I don't want to underplay Paul, but I just want to say sometimes the real danger is that we can overplay individuals and downplay ourselves. We overplay, oh, that person's been called by God to do something for him. And we downplay the fact that God calls men and women to faithfully follow him in the things that he calls them to. All of these names. Now, some of them are not Jesus people. Some of them are very clearly not Jesus people. They decided to have debates and wanted to throw them out and fight them and punch them in the face and argue about the gospel and debate with them. But throughout it, you just keep reading the book of Acts and there are hundreds of Jesus people, hundreds of disciples of the living God. They get changed and then live lives for him. They go about doing it. And I just want to narrow in on two of them this morning onto this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. They are a beautiful couple that appear within this part of, of the passage. They, they teach Apollos. That's a really interesting part as well. So Priscilla, it seems that Priscilla basically hears Apollos teaching and says, hang can I? can I just give you some hints can I give you some tips here I, I don't know broadly what it'd be on but I would think even some of the things of what works its way through into the church in Ephesus later I just think there's bits of the gospel of grace that seem to be coming through and Priscilla and Aquila they say can we talk to you Apollos we we hear your teaching you're an eloquent man you're clearly gifted in the words but we just want to we just want to instruct you in this a little bit more and they deposit truth into this man's life and then he goes off again into the gospel into proclaiming and being used by God in all that he does how many of you here have just been blessed by interactions with other followers of Jesus it's blessed you it's been deposited in you Gail didn't put her hand up for that one that's it (laughs) but 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 we have that's that is the the testimony of my life is that the greatest influence on my life has been Jesus Christ the man who lives and dies he has been the greatest influence and then praise god my life has been shaped by men and women that have loved me and set an example of what it is to follow jesus i've got to live my own life can't do it for me but praise god i've been in a community of believers which constantly have shaped me spoke truth into my life they've said to me should we read the word together <laughs> should we just should we read the word a little Can, let me just what, what's the phrase towards apollos they took him aside and explains the way of God to him more accurately. That's a bit passive aggressive, I think. But anyway, it's like, I'm really grateful for people that have explained the word of God to me more accurately. That's what we want to be with each other. That's why we believe in groups. Our group should be centered around, not just friendship with each other and food, which are really important by the word of God. Where well, we regularly in our small groups with others. And if you're not in the habit of doing this, it will be detrimental to your walk with Jesus. It will be. Because when you put yourself in a position where others open the word with you and at times say, let me just explain the word of God to you more accurately. We want a church that is hungry to grow in an understanding of who Jesus is. And we want to do that devoted to each other. And if all we hope for is that one pastor at the front is able to accurately open the word of God, we will be inhibited in those things praise God for preaching and teaching. Praise God that it's a great way of shaping and setting culture within the life of the church, but we must do it with one another. Please, if you're part of this church, regularly find ways to open God's words and enjoy it, fellowship with each other as you read and spur each other on. As you open scripture with each other, just as the way that Priscilla and Aquila set that example to us. Then one of the other things that I absolutely love about this couple, and one of the things that just, you know, it's brilliant, they're a tent-making couple, which again is interesting because it means that, again, they're probably not necessarily, I don't really like the word ministry. I, I do I understand it, but I, I actually find it, oh, when we say, but, oh, are you full-time in the ministry? And I'm like, I get the phrasing of it, but sometimes I feel that sense of I'm a full-time follower of Jesus. I was a full-time follower of Jesus when I was working in school. I was a full-time follower of Jesus when I was working here. I've always been full-time following Jesus. I don't upscale it when all of a sudden I'm being paid to be in a different place than I was before. That would be, again, a really inhibiting model to the church. If basically we only believe that those that were in the ministry were involved in making disciples, just that is not helpful, and that is not what the Book of Acts teaches us at all. It's that we all become released in the seasons that we get called to to fulfil the plans and purposes of proclaiming Christ in our words and our actions to each other. We're all called to make disciples. On all of us, Priscilla and Aquila set the example. They, and I don't think they're making tents, I presume that they're leather and bits and bobs that are going into the tent making business. I don't think they're just building like pod pads at Glastonbury and doing that from bit to bit. They're just building the materials that go into it. And Paul aligns with them because that's Paul's trade as well. So he finds this commonality in their careers they've got with each other, and they faithfully love the church. They, they, they help explain the word of God more accurately to others. They go wherever Paul goes them to. And all these things, they do their job alongside it as well. They faithfully get on with the thing that God's called them to in order to release resources into the kingdom of God. And again, praise God for a church that is like that. This would be embarrassing if I only called out one person. But I just am so grateful for men and women that just faithfully serve God in their careers. And they love people that they work alongside. And they wake up every morning and they say, and I just call Rebecca Cooper's eye. And I'll say it to you this morning because if it encourages you, it encourages you. I love if Bex wakes up and is a physio and she does a physio job for Jesus. It's not that she only worships Jesus when she turns up here on a Sunday morning. She wakes up and she serves and she loves people. A lot of people that are recovering from brain injuries. And Bex is skilled and talented in what she does, and she serves alongside him. And she uses that as an opportunity to live out her discipleship with God there. Praise God that this is a room full of people that do that. Find ways to do it. Whether it's paid work, voluntary work, whether it's parts of our retirement, whether it's bits where we're still waiting for jobs into the future, but whatever it be, wherever we find ourselves, we live it out alongside the thing that God calls us to. We don't wait until the day when we think, I'm waiting until the ministry calls. I'm waiting for the day when I get called into the ministry. No, begin today. You're a full-time follower of Jesus today. Live it out for him in all that you do. And what else they do? Again, when I read a lot of Acts, I don't read a lot about buildings. There is bits of buildings and praise God for this building. And if you've watched our little financial update video recently, we're going to try and improve this building because if you go in the sports hall at the moment it's like flood central that goes on in there and we're going to get solar panels on the roof and we want to try and basically get this place to be much more energy efficient into the future but let's not get too preoccupied with buildings because all they used is the resource there, which was their homes you know we saw that in the pandemic we had to use our homes as a way to gather and for the gospel to advance and to go And this is great that we can spur each other on and worship with one another and gather regularly. But it isn't one or the other. It's not we meet in buildings or we only meet in homes. We do both. We're a church that gather in buildings. We publicly worship with each other. This is so easy. It's hard for a visitor to come into your home. It's very easy. If you're a visitor today, you are so welcome to be here. And I really hope that you've enjoyed coming into this place, which is our home. And you've been made to feel welcome and included. Please, church, continue to look out for people that are joining us. Regularly people come. Might be here for the first time. They don't know anything about Jesus. And they're thinking, who oh, is this weirdo talking about Jesus? And, you know, what is going on? We welcome people in here. And then we welcome people into our homes. We use both. It's not one or the other. It's both those things in tandem with each other, regularly gathering to worship, proclaim God, hear the gospel proclaimed, serve one another, and then we go into our homes and we meet there too. It's not rule out either or each. And Priscilla and Aquila set that beautifully before us. Then there's this other little part of it that's in there. So if if you read in and around some of the other letters that Paul writes, this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, pop up in another couple of places brownie points for anyone who wants to tell me a letter one of paul's letters that he writes that the name priscilla now paul loves it at the end of a letter if you read pretty much any of his letters he's always got a little greet this person greet that person names you can't pronounce Um, but a whole load of people that paul deeply cares about why because he knows this is about jesus people it's about a whole raft of men and women serving god's purposes letter that anyone you've had time to go on your phone now and search it but go on any any letter that priscilla and aquila pop up at the end of oh i don't think they end up at the end of ephesians yeah timothy they end up at the end of timothy so for some reason and this is this is really interesting so timothy's then like paul's little protege and actually you notice it towards the end where does he say to priscilla and aquila go can you come with me we've been in corinth but can we go to ephesus now we've got to go travel there and Timothy's then leading the church in Ephesus and he's this young protege and who does he send to go and encourage Timothy Priscilla and Aquila why because he trusts them and he loves them and he knows they're going to do Timothy good he says go and encourage I don't know the conversation because we don't have it in scripture so I'm I'm filling in some blanks here but I can imagine him just saying guys I love you you're a godly couple you've served gods You know the work. go and help Timothy, would you? He's a young guy, he's trying to work out leadership in a really challenging setting. Can you go and serve him? Praise God again for that in this church. Priscilla's and Aquila's that are here. He pops up in another one as well. Where else does he mention him? Romans, the church in Rome. Now, Paul is desperate to get to Rome and he writes, and who's there? Priscilla and Aquila. They've got there ahead of him. He's desperate to get to Rome and he ends his life in a prison cell in Rome, but who's there again? Priscilla and Aquila. Why? And again, I can only fill in some blanks. I just think that to me, they seem like the sort of Jesus people that basically when they're asked, they say yes. They say, is there need? Yeah, we'll go. Is there need? Does that person need to open the scripture? Yeah, we'll go. Does that young leader need some encouragement? Yeah, we'll go. Does anyone need any babysitting? Yeah, we'll come round. Does anyone need encouragement? Yeah, we'll turn up. Does anyone need us? Yeah, I'll be there. I just love those people. And again, I look at it and I think, this church is full of Priscilla and Aquilas, but it's an encouragement to say, one well done, thank you for every Priscilla and Aquila that exists here, but also an encouragement to us. Come on, let's keep being Jesus people. It's the way that we behave. It's the way that the church functions. It's the way that it works deeply. And then this is where we're just gonna land. There is a phrase, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago when I preached. Um, if you just turn, so in Corinthians a, uh, sorry, Acts 18. And then we go into, yeah, verse 10 it is. And you might grab it or it might just appear there quickly. But it just says this, for I am with you, no one will lay a hand on you because I have many people in this city. The big picture is, yeah, people are important. People play their role. We all serve, get alongside. We get called into the purposes that we have. But ultimately they're Jesus's people. They're not our people, they're his. I have many people in this city. God is jealous for people. He's jealous. He was jealous for you. That's why he rescued you. That's why he drew you to himself. We have a jealous God for people. God has many, and I love Dom, just even the prayer that you bought earlier. I don't know what I've lost there. But that, that just, as you're praying, I'm just thinking, yeah, that's it. I have many prodigals. I have many people that are my people. I have Jesus people that you haven't met yet. I have Jesus people that haven't yet been brought into my family, and I'm, I'm jealous for them. I long for them. I desire for them to return back to me. And Paul takes such encouragement in that because I'm sure he got, I'm sure he got discouraged. I'm sure there were days when he's in Corinth and he's thinking, this is hard work. No one listens. And another, oh, another day of serving people. Okay. Oh, Lord, would you just return? Can you, can you just send me somewhere else would you? But he hears the words in this vision where he says to Paul, Paul, stay there. No one will lay hands on you. I've got many people in this city. And God does that. He picks people out. I did it a while ago when Judy Samuels was here. Yeah, you know, when I mean, no one gave you that bunch of flowers, it's that idea of just being picked out by God. Praise God for every one of you that has been picked out by God's, because you're one of his people. He knew you and he drew you to himself. And then the, we don't ever want to be in, inhibited by that factor and saying, well, he probably won't pick them. If your brain's already gone somewhere and gone, he wouldn't pick that person. I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly the person that Jesus picks because he draws them to himself and he says to us again, I have many people in Eastbourne. I have many people in Halsham. I have many people in Polgate. I have many people in the harbour. I have many people in the town centre. I have many people, these are my people, and I'm calling you to go and tell them. I'm calling you to go and love them. I'm calling you to go and serve them. I'm calling you to go and open the word and instruct them in the word of God. If you're not gonna go, who's gonna go? Are you gonna be a Priscilla and Aquila? Are you gonna go encouraged in the strength of God to use all that you've got to find Jesus' people and to bring them to the Son? so I actually like um this is, this is where I'll land on it like we, we said it if you were at the prayer meeting a little while ago we're now really intentionally starting to look at can we start to plant churches in and around Eastbourne again can we aim towards not just gathering a big crowd but can we have local expressions of churches in localities why? because we believe that Eastbourne is full of Jesus people they might not know it yet but there are and I get a text off a guy a friend of mine who leads a church in Polgate the other day and they've just closed the church down just said, we're closing, we can't keep going, we're too small. We've got a building, we're going to use it for some missional stuff, but we can't stay as a church anymore. And I sit there and I say, come on, church, we're called to go. We're called to be Jesus people in the areas that we're in. It still hurts that we're not able to keep meeting in the town centre like we once were, but we're not going to give up on that. I look at the harbour, the harbour is full of people, Jesus people that are there. And I, again, I'd say, please go and pray in areas when you walk, pray, ask God, God, are there people in, are your people in the harbour? Are they your people in, in, in Polgate? Are they your people in, in the town centre? God, let me meet them. God, would you bring them into my path? I want to tell them about Jesus. I want to serve them I want to love them and I want to bring them into the family. God loves to do that. So can we just finish in a place of prayer? Let's just pray together. Let's just take a moment. I don't know, Gid, I don't know if you just want to play a little bit in behind. And I, I said to him, I don't really know what song to land on in response. So it's fine. But we're just going to pray for a second. God, I want to thank you that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You have many people in this place. I praise God for the ones that are already in your family. I praise God for every man and woman, every child, that is part of your family in this place. And in others that are gathered around faithfully worshiping you this morning. God, it hurt, it you know, breaks my heart when I think that churches have to close. God, I wanna see the kingdom of God's advancing. I want to see the kingdom of God changing culture around us. And so I just pray now for us as a body of believers who live daily lives for you in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we do. God, I pray, strengthen us again. Remind us of the great commission, the great call to go and make disciples. Remind us that we are the Jesus people. We are the people of God's. Saved and rescued at great cost on your behalf. I didn't pay the cost you did. But following you involves a great cost too. It involves a great cost towards my own comfort. A great cost towards my own desires. A great cost towards my own pocket. But Lord, I'm willing to pay it because I love you. I want to see lives changed and transformed. I want to see many people brought to the gospel. I see many people introduced to Jesus and changed and transformed. God, would you remind us of the great call upon us as King's Church here in Eastbourne? Would you equip us and strengthen us for that that you call us to? And we just echo again, we pray for the prodigals. Living God, bring them back to you. Living God, rescue people. You are about a great work and you are not finished. We join in with all that you are doing and we trust you, Lord. Amen.